I want to start with a question. Be careful how you answer. You are in church. Who wants to get rich? Who wants to get rich? <laughs> Loaded question, isn't it? Well, what do you mean? And why, why are you asking? Well, I think one of the teachings that is of sound doctrine, healthy teaching that we can learn uh, from Scripture is given to us today. And we're jumping to 1 Timothy chapter 6 to get this message because in, in conjunction with uh, Thanksgiving, I want to make sure that we have the right attitude towards our things, towards our belongings. I want to make sure that we are truly getting rich but understanding that comes in the sense that is given to us in 1 Timothy chapter 6. How to get rich. How to have great gain. That God can say, I want you to have great gain. So turn to 1 Timothy. And as you look in, at the beginning of chapter 6, beginning of verse number 3. Uh, Paul starts talking about false teachers, and he warns that there are false teachers, and that their motivation is this, great financial gain. At the very end of verse number 5, he says that these people suppose that godliness is a means of gain. And within that context, you can add the understanding. They, they think that, that godliness and religion and serving God is somehow going to make them rich or give them things. And so the context clearly says that's not the way things are, not the way things should be. We should not make it that whether you're a teacher or whether you're anybody as a Christian, your goal in this life is not to get stuff, not to get wealthy and to have mammon. That is not our primary objective. But as you get to chapter six, it begins, um, excuse me, verse number six. So follow along in the scripture. It's all coming from the um, from first Timothy chapter six today. And we'll go to a couple other places. There is, as you notice in verse number 6, but. And that's one of the greatest words in, in Scripture, but. God's got a different plan, but. There's always a different way that is the right way. But, and it says as we look here in the outline, but godliness plus contentment equals great gain. Verse number 6 specifically says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain. When accompanied by contentment. So godliness is the way to get rich. When you have godliness plus contentment. Then there is going to be great gain. And you can understand there. Godliness plus contentment. Not, not contentment and gathering a bunch of stuff. But being content with what you have. We can have Great gain spiritually as long as we have godliness and being content with what we have. And that is what we're going to look at today is, is Paul continues to speak, the Holy Spirit working through him to give us this sound doctrine. He's going to tell us, as I've got outlined just five things here. Five things that add into this defining what it means to have godliness plus contentment to receive great gain, to have great gain. 
If you want to get rich, this is God's plan for you to get rich. So number one, number one, do not have an entitlement mentality. And I defined entitlement here, uh, and actually these are words from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Belief that one is deserving or entitled of certain privileges. Don't have that kind of entitlement mentality. We are entitled to nothing. Look at chapter 1, verse 7. So I want to read verse 6 with it to really get the flow of uh, the scripture here. He says, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we can take we cannot take anything out of it either. And to back that up, to give that thought of what what the writer is saying here, what God is telling us, look back at Job chapter 1, verse number 21. Job is one who had everything and lost everything. His response was, verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Did Job have godliness with contentment? He certainly did. And he's going to be an example, as if, if you remember him as we continue on, he's going to be a, an example of someone, though he was rich and had great wealth, that is not where he put his hope and his trust. His trust was not in things. His trust was proved in this very passage to be in God. His hope was in God. His riches were in God. That's how he was rich. We need to learn this lesson well. That we are entitled to nothing. We came into this world with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing. We cannot take it with us. And the stuff that we have now, we have it because God gives it to us. It's not because we are entitled to it, because we earn it, and because it is ours. Let's quit thinking about the stuff that we have as being ours. These things belong to God and we are stewards of them. God is the one who gives us this stuff. We don't have a, a, a title to everything that is in our house. Put God's name on it. It belongs to God. He is the one who has given it to us for a time. Every good gift, that passage, that scripture was we were reminded of it this week as we thought about Thanksgiving. Every good gift is, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Let us acknowledge where everything comes from. It's not we don't have stuff because we are entitled to it. In this day and age, it's like everybody, we live in this rich nation. And everybody thinks, hey, I should have as much as my neighbor next door. Uh, I should have as much as that rich, but it's not fair for that rich person to have all that stuff, and I don't. And some people, they feel so entitled that they want to look at what somebody else has, and since they can't have it, they want to go burn the other person's stuff down. That is the kind of society that we live in, this spirit of jealousy and spirit of thinking, hey, you've got it, so I deserve it too. 
But God comes along and He reminds us, those of us who are in Christ, we're reminded that the stuff isn't important. What we have, it's a blessing from God. It's a gift from Him. But it's not, it's not really ours. We're not really entitled to it, but God, if you want to bless us with this stuff, then we're going to give you all praise and on all honor. We have brought nothing into the world. We cannot take anything out of it either. Have the right attitude towards your stuff. A man cannot serve God and stuff. That's what Jesus said. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and things. Have the right perspective. Don't feel like you're entitled to whatever somebody else might have. Number two. This idea, to add to this idea of what it means when we say godliness plus contentment equals great gain. So number two, be content with, and this is why we're here, is kind of this idea of thanksgiving. What, what is it that you can give thanks for? Be content with food and clothing. Trust Him to provide what you need. Look at chapter 1, verse 8, after saying we can't take anything out of it. We're not entitled to all of this stuff. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. Put yourself in Job's shoes. Hard lesson. It's even difficult to imagine. It's It's a place where we don't want to go. Imagine returning home today. And the house was gone. That should make your stomach churn a little bit. Not only the belongings and everything, all that stuff, a lot of it could be replaced, but then even the the stuff we've collected, the stuff that means so much to us, pictures and all of that, it's all gone. Imagine that. And if you can come away from that, that thought and say like Job that, Um, Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's given, He's taken away. If you can come away from that and say, uh, I'm going to be content with my food and with my clothing. And this is given, this this idea, be, be, um, be thankful for that and be content with just that food and clothing. This is at a time when people would, a lot of times, just have one cloak, Right? That's what it meant to have what you need and to rely upon the Lord from day to day is if you just have the clothes on your back. Be content with that. We have so much more than that. But what we need to be thankful for is our food and our clothing. Give us this day. Our daily bread. Can you be content with that? Trust Him to provide what we need. 
And this notice in verse number eight acknowledges if we have food and clothing, should we should we even expect that of God? I said we're entitled at first. I might have exaggerated the thought we're entitled to nothing. But it seems like God says, I'm going to give you something, doesn't he? I'm going to give you food and clothing. In Matthew, jump back to Matthew chapter 6 if you, if you would like. And listen to what he says in verses 31 to 34. Do not worry then, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what, what shall we wear for clothing? Jesus is talking about food and clothing. He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all those things. So your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm going to take care of them. Food and covering. I'm going to take care of them. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself Each day has enough trouble of its own. God will take care of us. Be content with what you have. If you only have food, your daily bread and clothing, the one covering that you need for your protection and warmth, be content. If you can do that, then you will have great gain. Obviously not what the false teachers were looking for. They wanted riches and wealth and lots of clothes. They wanted it all. They wanted the nice car. They want the big house. They want the fancy clothes. But no, godliness with contentment with what you have, that's great gain. That's where you will find happiness. That's where you will find true riches. Paul knew what this was to have to be on both sides, whether to have a lot or to have the struggles where he has little food, little clothing, where he is in great need. Philippians chapter four, verse starting to verse number 11, Paul wrote this. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being both filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And we see here, this is, uh, this is not Jesus telling us, I can do all things through Christ. You can lift a car. That's not the message. It's whether you have little or you have a lot, you can learn to be content and be godly with what you have. Our riches, the stuff that we have, they don't matter. We can be content by the power of Christ who resides in us. This is kind of one of the ways you can know that you are in Christ is, hey, if you can be content with little and you can be relying upon God and content with God when you have a lot. Stuff doesn't matter. Jesus is what matters. Be strong in Him. 
With that in mind, I would just ask you to pause for a second to relate back to this idea of thanksgiving. And a lot of us on Thursday or Friday or whenever you get, we're able to get together and to uh, celebrate and remember this, this idea of thanksgiving that God has provided for us bountiful blessings. What did you give thanks for? What was important? What, where was your heart at that day? Was it looking for pleasure and fun? Or were you able to sit down and be able to thank God for all of the things that you have? Well, you can be content with and you can give praise to God for all of the stuff that you have. And realize that it comes from Him. And that even if you lost all of that stuff, if you lost it all, and you were suddenly relying, coming to the church and saying, I lost everything, I need some help. If you could be in that moment and still give thanks to God, would you be able to give thanks to God? Where is your heart at? Where is your mind at? Are you content in your stuff and having stuff? Or are you content in God? You give thanks to God, whether you have little or whether you have a bunch. Give thanks to Him. Give thanks to Him for food and clothing. Give thanks to Him. We are blessed so much beyond the food and clothing. We have riches, 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 don't we? Even the poor of us are beyond rich compared to what a lot of these folks have in the biblical times and even in the current day. In, in the rest of the world, we are rich as they look at us. So, as you realize you have riches, can you thank God for those riches and still rely upon Him and realize that if you lost them all, if, you lost, if it was all taken away, you would still be content with Christ. You would be content with food and clothing. Have the right attitude. Have the right mentality. Don't have an entitlement mentality that I deserve all this and when I see other people with more stuff that I think I want that and I deserve that too. And also learn to say, just look at all the stuff that you have and be content with what God has blessed you with and be able to say, and God, if I lost it all, if I just had my food and clothing, I would be content. That is the right attitude. That is when we can have great gain. That is when we truly be rich. Number three. Uh, a couple of verses here from, um, from 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I summarize them this way, just to word it a little bit different so we can be thoughtful towards what it says. Don't want to get rich. That was how I asked at the beginning, who wants to get rich? Where'd your mind go? Oh, I'd love to hit that lottery. No, don't want that. Don't want to get rich. Don't love money. If you do, the end will be ruined. If you do, destruction and grief will come. Verses 9 and 10. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Don't want to get rich. 
Don't love money. Save those things. Save those desires for God. We want God. We want Christ. We want salvation in Him. We love God. We love Him. Don't place money and stuff up there on an equal footing with God. Those who love, love money, will their end will be destruction. Jesus gave us a warning about this. He said in Mark chapter 4. Look back there. Mark chapter 4, verses 19, uh, 18 and 19. And this is in the parable of the soils, or the, the parable of the sower, however you want to look at it. It's the word of God has gone out, and it's been received by some, and these people have kind of grown up. There's a plant there, people who have heard the word of God, and they, have, they exist They show up to church on Sunday, but they don't bear fruit. And there's a reason why. And others are ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Pretty simple. People who hear the word of God, but, but they don't pursue that and go after that. They hear the word of God. And they pay some attention to the word of God and give some heed to the things of God. But they're also pulled in another direction. Riches, things, longing for them, love of money, love of stuff. Things of the world. And they are unfruitful. Their end is destruction. They are not part of the good soil, as it says in verse number 20. And those, who are, the, and those are the ones on uh, whom good seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Let's not get distracted by the world and its stuff. Let's not get distracted by the love of money or the desire for things. There is a dire warning here for us. Let us pay attention. This is always a reality check. It should be preached, I think, to every church in this country of ours in the United States because we're so rich. We need to be constantly reminded of this. And it should affect how we raise our children, what we're teaching them. I'm reminded of this as, you know, getting, preparing this lesson. It's like, man, am I, am I teaching my kids to love God and pursue Him? Or am I teaching them, hey, it's, us life is all about being smart, getting your education so you can get a, get a great education as best you can and go out and make a lot of money and really provide for your family. Oh, nothing wrong with an education, is there? There's nothing wrong with making lots of money. The problem is if we're putting that above God. Man, we got to be, it's so easy to fall into that. The worries of this world, man, if we ever find ourselves worried, this lesson should be hitting home. So much about money, money, money. Our worries just seem, seem to just all stem from that idea of, Things and money. Let's be wise. 
don't want to get rich, don't love money. If you do, you'll end in ruin. But here's the great thing. Here's the good part of this message then is number four, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. When you pursue the right things, you're fleeing from the other things, pursuing the right things, and you will end up with great gain. True gain. Verse 11. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Pursue the things of God. Seek to be like Christ. Pursue Him. Let Him work in your life. Pursue the Spirit of God being alive and working inside of you. Having this sincere faith, an unhypocritical faith, truly living for Jesus. And we're, we're in 1 Timothy because Timothy is one who's being taught to go and share the word, the truth about Jesus. And that's who we want to be here at Garrett Street, right? This is who we want to be. We want to be those who flee from the things of the world and we are just pursuing God and godliness, And we want to do that in the right way. And part of our our godliness is that we're going to share Christ with the world. We are going to be working on bringing others to Jesus Christ. We want others to come to this watery grave and say, I believe in Jesus and I'm going to give my life to him and live for him all the days of my life. I used to live for the stuff of the world. I used to live for riches, but now I live for Jesus. That's where the true riches are going to be at. I um, didn't focus on this when I was at verse number 10, but notice how it ends. It says, they pierced themselves with many griefs in verse 10. Those people who, they're out there in the world seeking for joy and pleasure and contentment in the things and in the pleasures of life, they're just piercing themselves. They're putting holes in their own life. They're cutting themselves up. And it's just causing grief. Grief. And they're lost without this message of salvation. And we're we're the ones who can say, hey, I can tell you how to really be rich. We can go to the people in this neighborhood who are very affluent, who have a lot of money, and we can say, hey, there's nothing wrong with your stuff, but I can tell you how to really be rich and to have true gain, have great gain in your life. We can go to the poor folks who are around us also. We can go to them who don't have much and they feel so, so strapped in with being, being just troubles everywhere because life is so hard and they're just trying to scrape by. And we can tell them, hey, we can teach you how to be content. Jesus can teach you how to be content with little. And it's okay to not have a lot. And you can live your life as a rich person even if you just have food And clothing. We have the message that can bring peace to people. And we want to be that people. And if we're not going to take out that message and share it with folks, then we're still not really pursuing godliness with contentment. We're not going to experience great gain. We're not going to be truly rich until we share this message with others. Number five. Those who are rich financially can still fix their hope on God. And this is important because I've said we're all rich. 
Here in the United States, we are all rich. Very few amongst us who, who don't have food and clothing. So we're all rich. So can believers be rich financially? And I'm talking when I was using, you know, here I am back and forth between using the word rich in a, in a spiritual way and rich in a worldly way. So here when I'm talking, those who are rich financially, rich in this present world, we can still fix our hope on God and not wealth and not things. They should be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. So I'm skipping to John, uh, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, You're not better than anybody else if you have more than them. Or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Your riches can't save you from a heart attack, right? But on God. Fix your hope on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good. To be rich in good works. To be generous and ready to share. So if you have a lot, if you are wealthy, if you have more than just food and clothing from day to day, then you are rich. But you can use those riches to do good for others. You can use those riches, as it says at the end of verse number 18, to be generous and ready to share. Do good with your riches. Use your riches in such a way that God will be glorified. Do, use your riches so that you can win souls to Jesus Christ. Bring them to a knowledge of the truth. Be generous and ready to share. So riches aren't evil. But the love of money can lead you into all sorts of evil. This is a, this is a warning to us. This is a message that we have to be very careful To heed this lesson so that we can be healthy. So that we can have sound teaching, sound doctrine in our lives. Verse number 19 is where we shall end. This gives us the results of if we're rich but using our riches in the right way. Verse 19 says, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. So that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Someday Christ is going to come back. There will be a time when we come to the end of this age. And Christ will ask, what have you done in this life? And if we have been rich and used our riches in the right way. And had the right mentality towards our things. Not trusted in those things, but we had godliness with contentment. Then there is great gain here and now. Spiritually speaking, we can be filled up with just wonderful things in Christ Jesus. And then we are storing up for ourselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future. We are storing up treasures in heaven. Let us be rich. And those riches are on down the line, knowing that someday we're going to be with Christ forever. That is where true riches are at. Let's pursue those things.
Commit to that. Give your life to pursuing righteousness and godliness and faith and love. Pursue Jesus. He will make you rich. Godliness with contentment is great gain indeed. Be rich in Christ. Let us be rich spiritually. And if there's anybody here today who wants to share in the riches of Christ Jesus, you want to give your life to Christ, today is the day that you can begin living for Him and sharing His riches eternally. If you need to respond at all, won't you please come today as we stand together and sing.